Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Mod Path Chat, the official podcast of modern pathology, featuring interviews with authors and experts on the latest science, technology, and developments in the field of pathology. Your host, Dr. George Netto, is the editor-in-chief of Modern Pathology and the chair of pathology at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Here's Dr. Netto. Greetings from ModPath Chat. On behalf of our entire team, we thank you for tuning in. My guest today is Dr. Greg Lowers, senior member in anatomic pathology and the director of GI pathology unit at Moffitt Cancer Center. Dr. Lowers is an internationally renowned expert in the field of GI path. He has published over 400 articles and co-authored several textbooks, including Morrison and Dawson textbooks on GI pathology. He's a major contributor to the last two editions of the WHO Blue Book series on GI cancers. Greg is here today to discuss on behalf of his co-authors the recent study in modern pathology comparing the molecular subtypes of index and metachronous gastric cancers. Thank you for joining. Um, thank you, Professor Neto. And uh, since it's a casual uh, discussion, thank you, George. It's, uh, it's nice to be uh, with you again today. Thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure. And uh, I, uh, let's jump in uh, uh, to, uh, to look at a study uh, that uh, we refer to. And before we do that, though, uh, can you give us a little uh, mini uh, update on the molecular subtyping of gastric cancer? Yeah, so this is the, the big news in, uh, in gastric cancer is that for many years, obviously, we all have used the Lorraine of the WHO classification. But over the last uh, seven years now or so, there has been several big uh, studies, uh, significant molecular studies uh, done by either the, the Duke University with their Singapore uh, branch with uh, TCGA, uh, as well as the uh, Asian uh, Consortium for uh, Gastric Cancer uh, Evaluation, who came with uh, different classification. And uh, uh, basically, the TCGA, which is the one which is the, maybe the most uh, uh, recognized, now divide gastric cancer in uh, in big four groups: microcellular stem ball, MSI, 
uh, associated also with the ecaderin uh, alteration and EBV uh, uh, driven uh, uh, gastric cancer. And what, what's important about those uh, classification and one of my reasons to be interested is because we are, I think, in gastric cancer where we were in colon cancer about 10, 15 years ago. So now we're starting to divide and understand the different subtypes of gastric cancer, which is a very heterogeneous disease. And we start to see now how we're going to be able to, to treat or develop protocols which are going to divide the patients in those different cohorts. So it's very important, number one, in the understanding but also in what will be the management in the patients. And for pathologists and a non-molecular pathologist for myself, it's a way to understand from the get-go where the field will be in five, 10 years from now. Awesome. And uh, as heads up, uh, the audience can look forward to a review article on the topic that you will you promised, and I know you will deliver uh, for modern pathology pretty soon, and we'll revisit with you in more details about uh, what's going on in molecularly in gastric cancer. So for sake of today's study, what was the cohort and uh, what kind of tools did you use? So... Uh, Maybe as a little uh, feedback is, why did we do that study? Uh, well, for two reasons. Number one, we all have experience that now our gastroenterologist colleague, uh, because they pick up gastric cancer earlier in general, not only in Asia, but also slowly it's coming in the, in the West, in the US as well, we can manage those patients endoscopically. So which is wonderful. We have those early gastric cancers. The second thing is that, um, obviously, since we, we say what I used to tell my fellow, we say the stomach, those patients maintain their stomach and, and, uh, are treated effectively. Then the disease, the disease, the stomach is left, left behind, right? And then we can, uh, obviously imagine that the same element of carcinogenesis are going to be at play in the residual gastric mucosa. So that's number one. Number two is that there has been a couple of studies, one that I was involved with that uh, illustrated that we, we can actually mimic the molecular classification of gastric cancer by immunostochemical studies and in situ herbalization. It still needs to be validated to a higher level, but clearly it has been uh, recognized by uh, multiple authors. So what we've done was... Uh, is to go back to a, a court of Korean patients. And you may wonder why co Korean patients? Well, to have a, a, a large court of patients who had uh, um, indexed gastric cancer and then metachronous gastric cancer, obviously those type of patients are relatively in common in the, in the West. And I have also a, a wonderful colleague uh, with a first daughter, uh, Bekui Kim, from uh, uh, from Seoul, who was uh, working with me and was uh, able to uh, to collect that cohort of patients. So basically, we look at a cohort of patients with early gastric cancer. Most of them, there are few more advanced, but at least with a, a long survival. And we were able to uh, then study them not only their primary cancer but the secondary cancer that they, they developed. In, in a, with a, a four years plus uh, follow-up. Excellent. So 42 Korean patients, and and you use these surrogate 
immuno exactly. and uh, fish uh, markers in order to uh, to uh, decipher that molecular subtype without uh, using uh, NGS and what have you. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, and you applied it to both groups. So, what were uh, some of the interesting findings that surprised so, you? So, so the, the interesting findings were uh, at different levels. Number one, only about 50% of the cancer, I think the right number was 51%, 51% of a, of a court of a, of a pair, so to speak, had the same morph, uh, the same, uh, molecular phenotype. So that means in 49% of them, so in a, a significant number, there was a switch in the, in the molecular, uh, alterations. Hmm. There was no good correlation, whether it was related to age, sex, location, or even helicobacter pylori infection, which had been controlled, obviously, in the majority of the, of the patients. Um, all those patients were treated for helicobacter pylori infection. And in the second cohort, still about 16% or so were, were positive. So there was no good uh, correlation. So what we found is that um, 49% of those cases switched the molecular uh, phenotype. It was a little bit uh, haphazard in all uh, all direction. Uh, what came in the second court is that the majority of the cases were uh, related to alteration of P53, number one. But I think what was even more interesting is that the um, cases that were uh, MSI high early in the court in the index factor were the only one that did not switch the phenotype. So it seems to be a very pure cohort, number one. So two things. The MSI high cancer remain MSI high or remain. The metachronous cancer was still of a MSI. In the MSI, so that was uh, interesting. The others were not. And the second thing also related to MSI is that the longer there was... um a lab time between the early index factor and the metachronous cancer, then they were also becoming MSI high. So there was some, some, um, so we, we are not really too sure where we're getting at, you know, exactly, but clearly we could uh, identify a different, not say pathway, but, uh, uh, uh progression of those uh, early, of those cancer. Between the index and the and the metacrons, so that was some of the interesting findings. Intriguing. So, in another hand, the ones that the metacrons or the secondary lesion came earlier, they some of, seems like some of them, and maybe that's due to the field effect mechanism, maintain the field the mechanism, the same mechanism in the index and the, the subsequent lesion. The ones that there was longer interval, there was a molecular switch. But it clearly cannot be blamed on H. pylori because that was that was controlled, right? Uh, all, although, so it's the, the question of H. pylori, I, I, I don't think that one single study will answer that question. And probably not, not, uh, not this one is we know, uh, by multiple cl- huge clinical series that if you have a index gastric cancer, you treat obviously cobacter pylori, there is a 50% uh, 
uh, drop in the chance of developing a second cancer. So clearly it has, it has a role uh, there. We know that uh, Helicobacter pylori can be associated with uh, um, uh, um, some modification also at the level of uh, uh, intestinal metaplasia in terms of carcinogenic sequence. So one wonder, and we, because we haven't looked at that, if the, the, the time of treatment of Helicobacter pylori within the whole sequence of those patients may play a role. For example, uh, if they have been infected for only, let's say, 10, 15, 20 years, and you treat them, maybe it will have a different effect than if they have been infected for 30 or 40 years. Obviously, you, wow. we know that all those patients, it's a long period of time before they develop cancer. But maybe the, the time of the intervention within the whole sequence of H. pylori infection will play a role. And this was was not done in our uh, in our series it's, it's another question very intriguing so so basically simply you did ebv by ish Correct. and you did ecadherin amino p53 amino will come how the interpretation in a second and you did immuno for the mmr mismatch right. repair genes yes so that was and on all these we can do in any lab uh, uh, at least in the west and and, okay. and and in the asia pacific areas so uh, and for the p53 it's it's always good to re- to remind people that you either had the ones that overexpressed p53 that you count them positive and the ones that were completely null, those okay. were. So this is appearing in many organs, in cervical and others, right? That the null is important. Yeah. It may indicate mutation. The, the um, um, interpretation of the immunos was quite straightforward. One thing, actually, when it comes to uh, MMR, we had one patient that may have been Lynch because it was a, a, a loss of uh, MSH2, MSH6. All the others were apparently sporadic type of, uh, of alteration of, uh, of, uh, micro, of microsatellite uh, instability. Got it. And there was one, also the, um, the thing we interpreted is for uh, ecaderin, the, the, the cellular uh, loss. There were a couple of cases where there was some um, cytoplasmic, cytoplasmic staining, which in gastric cancer, we don't really know how to interpret. You know, for ecaderin, we relate that to the, the loss to cell of cell adhesion. But I think there has been some study done in breast cancer looking at the expression of um, a cytoplasmic expression of ecaderin. That needs also to be um, investigated in the, in the setting of gastric cancer. So it, it's, you know, we, we use the, the, the standard uh, evaluation. But there also as well, there's probably some some work to be done. Well, great. So the last the last question: What is the significance of this? Is this gonna? I mean, clearly, find you, applying the method that you mentioned uh, that is topographic amino I, 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 uh, ish is important. But but as far as the finding in this uh, pathobiology, do you do you see any points that are important for us? Well. Currently, n- not. But, uh, well, for a couple of reasons. First of all, I'm not really uh, aware that anyone has validated, I would not say validated our data, but, I, you know, that's one to be reproduced. And I'm sure it's going to be reproduced in one way, shape, or form, and we're going to have 
instead of 42 patients, we will have 500 patients. Um, and as long as the study comes from, from Asia, I'm pretty sure there will be some, you know, significant overlap. We need to see if it also applies to the Western uh, population. So that's, that's not including African American population. Yes. Yes. So we, we need clearly to, uh, to have a, a much broader understanding. Then when we take this out, you know, one of the questions that you brought up in terms of uh, helicobacter pylori infection, you know, we are going to have to answer those, those questions, you know, how it relates to the, uh, the development of secondary cancer or, or not, a metacrons cancer. And then also the, um, uh, the, the question related to uh, MMR, because obviously, um, if you have an early gastric cancer, if we, you know, we start to classify them as well, then it gives us an understanding that the, the chance and the mechanism maybe to develop a second cancer are, are different. So there is no, no, uh, hard, uh, are backed, uh, uh, answers yet, but I think it is going to, it should bring additional question as to the, uh, understanding the, the, not understanding the management yet, but understanding how we, we should start to stratify patients for management. In order to understand that, we need more, more patients. And I, I, I've been briefly in touch with some, uh, European uh, pathologists to, uh, to try to, uh, to reproduce this. But again, one of the issues is that gastric cancer is obviously less common, you know, outside of uh, Southeast Asia. And many of those patients have advanced, have gastrectomy, advanced cancer, and to have a metaconus cancer is not so common. So it's going to take time. But you'll get there, I'm sure. And, uh, You'll find a lot of uh, great collaborators. So that's why I mentioned African-American clearly in our population here in the South. So we'll be happy uh, to contemplate. Well, uh, thank you uh, very much. Uh, it has been a great pleasure to have you as my guest today. And uh, to our listeners, we appreciate your input. So please provide us with any feedback that you may have uh, and send that to our email address, journals at uscap.org journals at uscap.org. Thank you, Greg. This has been fascinating and very educational. Thank you, George. Pleasure. Any opinions expressed in this podcast are the speaker's own and do not represent the views of modern pathology, Springer Nature, UAB, or USCAP. Your ModPath chat host and scientific director is Dr. George Neto. Producers are Christina Crow, Amber Jackson, Dr. Sarah Jang, and Dr. Catherine Ketchum. Technical direction is provided by Kaminsky Productions, music by Mitch Neubauer. Thanks to the authors, reviewers, and editors of Modern Pathology for making this podcast possible.